If you have your Bible, turn with me to the 23rd Psalm. Psalm 23, how we doing today? Everybody okay? You got a little wintry mix going on out there, that's what I'm hearing. That's what the weather witcher's telling me. Uh, good morning to those of you who are, who are watching online too. The 23rd Psalm, Psalm 23, and this is what David wrote. He said, uh, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I have good news for you this morning, church, and here it is. You can know God. You can know God. God is knowable. You can have a relationship with the same divine being who spoke your life into existence. You can talk to him, and he will sometimes talk to you. I do it every day, and it is uh, the greatest joy of my life to spend time in God's presence. And if you don't believe me, I get it. Maybe you will trust some of your peers, okay? Uh, how many of you in this place or watching online at some point or other in your life have had an unexplainable holy encounter with God? If you have, please put your hand up. This could be what you consider to be your salvation experience. Could just be a time in your life when you felt like God called you to repentance. Could be a moment when you just felt grace, forgiveness, Love just sort of wash over you. Or maybe a time in your life where you heard the voice of the Holy Spirit uh, giving you direction or calling you to confession. If that's you, put your hand up one more time and hold it up. If you've had that kind of, uh, of moment, my friends, look around, okay? If, uh, see it. If I'm crazy, at least I'm in good company, okay? I, I, I'm not alone in, um, in my crazy. Uh, God is knowable. You can know him. He is still speaking. He is still moving. He is still working. In the year 1654, the mathematician Blaise Pascal had uh, an encounter with the God of the Bible. Now, Pascal, as a young man, was known as a philosophical and mathematical savant. He was a genius. You can think Cody, but Cody's quite a bit better looking than Pascal was. Now, Pascal, like a lot of really smart people, lived most of his life in his head. Like he was one of these people who had a tendency to think about things too much. But at the age of 31, he met Jesus in a night that he came to refer to as his night of fire. And this is how he described that encounter. Listen to these words. He said, the year of grace... 1654, Monday, the 23rd of November, from about half past 10 in the evening until half past midnight, fire 
God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob, not of philosophers and scholars. Certainty, 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 heartfelt joy and peace. God of Jesus Christ, God of Jesus Christ, my God and your God, thy God shall be my God. The world forgotten and everything except God. He can only be found by the ways taught in the Gospels, greatness of the human soul. O righteous Father, the world has not known thee, but I have known thee. Joy, 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 tears of joy. Everlasting joy in return for one day's effort on earth. I will not forget thy word. Amen. Now, I share Pascal's words with you this morning because I want you to have a sense of what a holy encounter with God might look like. And I understand that when we talk about these supernatural, mystical sort of experiences, man, they can be really hard to put into words. They can be really hard to verbalize. They can be really hard to explain. But I really think that Pascal does a pretty good job here of describing his experience. And for him... His encounter with God looked like revelation. I mean, that night, he was awakened to the reality of God as he is revealed in Jesus Christ. And in Pascal's own words, the product of his holy encounter, after that moment, he had certainty, he had peace, and he had joy. One of my favorite things that he said in that journal entry, I love that line where he said, the world forgotten, and everything except God. Now, one of the reasons that I appreciate Pascal's words and, and that, you know, his, his salvation experience, his story, is because I do feel like it resonates quite a bit with mine. Um, one significant difference being that I was quite a bit younger than Pascal was when I had my first holy encounter with God, but I was uh, 12 or 13 years old, y'all have heard me tell the story before, I was in a small town Baptist church not far from here, right on the edge of Maynardville, and the preacher, it was a Friday night at a vacation Bible school, and the preacher was up there preaching, and he was talking about sin, and he was talking about the cross, and like right in my heart in that moment he was talking, there was a collision between grace and guilt. Like it all hit at the same time, and I'm here to tell you, church, grace won, but in that moment, I was just overwhelmed, and I sat there in this pew as a kid, and I just wept, but the whole time I was crying, I was also smiling through the tears. I think it's what Pascal described in his words as joy, 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 tears of joy. That's what I was experiencing. That's what I felt. Now, until recently, I don't think I fully understood the significance of that moment for me. I have always considered that to be my salvation experience, and that in and of itself would make the moment significant. But what I've come to realize is that evening, and by way of that encounter, something in me shifted. Like that night, my whole perspective on God changed before that, when I thought about God, I thought about rules, and I thought about judgment, and I just kind of always assumed God was mad at me, but after that, it was love and kindness and goodness, and from that point on, I knew that God was on my side. Before that, I had only ever heard about God, but that night, I met God, 
and in my life, that has made all the difference. Since that night, I can honestly tell you, I have never questioned the goodness or kindness of God. And I'm not judging you if you have. I get it. If you've raised those questions, God's big enough to handle your questions, your doubt, your fears, all those things. I'm just being very vulnerable with y'all. Tell you, since that time, I haven't questioned his kindness and his goodness. Even to the point in the year 2000, right after my mom died, my dad had died five years previous, I'm sitting with Bethany and Jim Cofield at Cracker Barrel having breakfast, and Cofield is a counselor, and he asked me uh, back then, he says, Brock, with what you've been through, he goes, are you mad at God? And I said, Jim, uh, no, I, I'm hurt, but I'm not mad. So how, how could I be mad at the one who sustained me? Like, how could I be mad at the only one who saved me? How could I be mad at the God who has loved me enough historically in my times of pain to come and sit with me in the dark? Now, maybe you're wondering why I would be talking about this on a Sunday when I'm supposed to be talking about the 23rd Psalm, and I think that is a reasonable question, and I would like to offer you a reasonable explanation, and here it is. For me, an encounter or a series of encounter with God are necessary if a person's ever going to be able to understand the depth and wisdom and beauty of David's words in this psalm. David speaks about God in such an intimate way. He talks about God like a person who hadn't just heard about him, but who had met him, a person who had spent time in his presence. He says, the Lord's my shepherd, and because he's my shepherd, I lack nothing. He leads me, he guides me, he watches over me, he protects me. David's like, I'm just a sheep in his fold. He's my leader. I submit my life to his will wherever he wants to take me. That's, that's where I'll go. The psalm, it's so gentle, so pure, so holy, and so beautiful. And I know that some of you, when you read the 23rd psalm, or when you hear the psalm read over you, you get it. You understand it. You feel it. You agree with it because you have experienced God in much the same ways that David did. You know that God is good. You know he's for you. You know that he's on your side. You know that he would never lead you astray. And so the whole time you're reading the psalm or hearing it read over you, you're just going, amen, amen, amen. But I also know that there's some of you that when you read this text, you don't get it. Like to you, when you read David's words, they sound fruity, they sound overly sentimental, too emotional, borderline cheesy. It's like what Mark was talking about last week when he, when he was talking about the line in, in the text where David says uh, about God, he says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. You know, church, we live in such a stubborn and prideful culture that a lot of people read that line, he makes me lie down in green pastures, and they go, nobody makes me do anything. I'm not going to know. I'm, I'm a lion. I'm not a sheep. I do what I want. I'll be the shepherd of my own life. There are a lot of people who, when they read this psalm, they see it just like David sees it, and they see God as a good shepherd. But there are a lot of people who can read the 23rd Psalm and still see God as an angry judge. 
And so what's the difference between the two? Like, what's the difference between the people who seem to get it and the people who don't? Well, I think it goes back to whether or not you have had a holy encounter in your life. I mean, have you ever had a moment where God just grabbed a hold of your heart and changed you from the inside out? Have you ever had an experience like Pascal describes where just suddenly you were awakened to the reality and the truth of who God is? Where, through the power of the Holy Spirit and the knowledge of revealed in Christ, you came to understand that God loves you, that there is grace enough to cover you, and that he would never lead you astray. Church, what I'm asking you this morning is, have you ever met God as he is revealed in Jesus? Have you ever met God as he is revealed in the Gospels? If you have had an encounter like that, or a series of encounters like that, then let me encourage you this morning to be grateful, to be thankful. You know how much easier it is to navigate this world knowing that you are the beloved of God, knowing that you are loved by holy God. You know how much easier it is to understand this book when you read it through the lens of God's goodness. Do you know how much easier it is to step into the fire when you know that there's somebody with you standing in the midst of the flame? Church, if you've had an encounter where God has revealed his goodness to you, then I'm asking you this morning, celebrate. Let it be reflected in the way that you worship. And if you have never had a moment like that or a series of moments like that, then this is what I'd like to encourage you to do. Run after God with everything that you have. Pursue him with all you've got. Because I think this sort of holy encounter, mystical experience is necessary to properly understand God, to properly understand his word, and certainly to properly understand the 23rd Psalm. If you've never had an experience like that with God and this whole thing feels foreign to you, then this is, I'm going to give you some practical advice. This is what I would encourage you to do individually. When you get home today, go home, find a quiet spot in your house, take out a Bible, go to the Gospel of John, and begin to read through it verse by verse. Starting in John 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word's with God, and the Word was God. Start reading through that line by line. And the whole time you're reading through the text, I just want you to be praying by way of the Holy Spirit, asking God to reveal himself to you. Asking him to reveal to you truth about who he is. Asking you to do what he did for me and for Pascal, to awaken you to the reality of his realness and his goodness and his kindness. And I want you to try that today, and if nothing happens today, I want you to do it again tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day because what do you have to lose? Now, can I guarantee you that if you do that, you will have a holy encounter? Absolutely not. But this is what I can guarantee you. It can happen. It does happen. It might happen. It happened to me and it happened to a lot of other people in this room who had their hands up when I asked the question earlier. I know it can happen because just like I opened the sermon today, I know God is still knowable. You can know him. 
You can talk to him and he will sometimes talk to you. You can have a relationship with the same divine being who spoke your life into existence. In Jeremiah 29, verse 13, the prophet Jeremiah said on behalf of God, he said, those who seek God with their whole heart will find him. Those who seek God with their whole heart will find him, meaning if you are willing to pursue, God will make himself available to you. Do you hear me? If you are willing to pursue, God will make himself available to you. Jesus said it this way in Matthew chapter 7. He said, ask, seek, knock. Ask and you will receive, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be open to you because everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds and for everyone who knocks, the door will be open. So this is all I'm telling you is what I'm getting at this morning, church, is that even right now, I'm not judging you. N none of us, this is not a like, I'm better than you. Anybody that's had a holy experience is better than you conversation because any of us who have had a holy experience, we did nothing except experience the movement of God. So there's no, we're all on the same plane. This is not, if you're hearing it like that, then I am, I'm saying it wrong. But this is what I'm trying to say. For those of you in the room and online, who still don't know God to be good and loving and kind, what I'm asking you to do is ask, seek, knock, and pursue until you do. Don't stop running after him until that's your experience of him. And I'm telling you, I've experienced him in that way. Pascal's experienced him in that way. And a lot of your friends sitting in the seats around you have also experienced him like that. Now, I understand that to some of you, all this probably sounds a little hokey. Some of you are sitting there and you're like, okay, we, Brock hadn't had a chance to preach in like a month. We hadn't heard from him in a long time. And I'm pretty sure he's lost his mind. You wouldn't be wrong, okay? It's been gone for a while. I'm pretty sure it left when I came to Whitestone and when we had our third kid. Somewhere around that time, whew, it's just gone and I don't think it's going to come back. But what I do want you to take note of is that when I talk about encouraging you to pursue some sort of, some sort of holy encounter or a mystical experience, I'm not calling you or asking you to do something that doesn't fall in line with biblical tradition. I mean, just think for a minute about how many of our spiritual heroes, our forefathers and foremothers, how many of them uh, their relationship with God began with a holy encounter. Here, here are some. This is from Brian Zahn's book, When Everything's on Fire. And this is what he said. Listen to this list. He says, Abraham was a man who discerned the voice of God and followed that voice away from the dumb idols of Chaldea and into a relationship with the living God. This mystic became the father of the faith. Jacob was a man who wrestled with God and gained a new identity. This mystic was given the name Israel, one who strives with God and prevails. Moses was a man whose life was changed when he perceived God in a bush on fire with the divine presence and climbed Mount Sinai to talk with God face to face. This mystic liberated the people of Israel. Mary, the mother of Jesus, was a woman who had the ultimate direct encounter with God. This mystic gave birth to the Logos and became the God-bearer. 
Peter was a man who was the first disciple to receive the revelation, just as Randy was talking about, that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. This mystic with the keys of the kingdom opened the door of salvation for both the Jews and Gentile world. Paul was a man who received his gospel through a direct encounter with the risen Christ. This mystic became the most successful apostle and most important theologian in the history of Christianity. Now, why do I share that list with you this morning, church? It's because I want you to see how significant a holy encounter can be for the longevity of a person's faith. Moses met God at a bush that was on fire that wasn't burning up. Jacob physically wrestled with God in Penal on the shores of the river Jabbok. Paul, on the road to Damascus, gets blinded by the holy light of God. All three of these men have those significant encounters, and from that point in their life, from that encounter on, they never look back. They never waver. Their lives remain steady. What I'm trying to argue in part this morning, church, is that I think a holy encounter is necessary for the sustainability of our faith long term. I think having some kind of holy encounter, mystical experience with God is necessary if we are going to stay with Jesus from the beginning of that moment through to the end. Now the second reason I wanted to share that list with you is because I just wanted you to see how weird it all is, okay? We are a weird group of people and we stand on the shoulders of a bunch of weirdos. I mean, a bush is on fire, and it doesn't burn. Mary impregnated by God. It's all so very weird. And at a time when it seems like to me that we are seeing the fall and death of what I call cultural Christianity— where it's no longer popular to be a Christian, like it's no longer the cool thing, the cool kids have, have left the building, okay? And I'm not all that sad about it, like I'm hoping what's left are just like the real ones, you know? Like the ones who are like really sincere about getting after it. But at a time when culture, cultural Christianity seems to be experiencing its demise, one of the best things I think the church can do is embrace our weirdness. Let's go back to being weird, odd, mystics who have strange unexplainable experiences, hashtag keep church weird, hashtag not a problem at Whitestone. Now, one of the main reasons I wanted to talk about this today is uh, because I recognize there are a lot of people right now who are walking away from the faith. There are a lot of people who are deconstructing. There are a lot of people who are asking a lot of questions like, uh, a lot of people who are leaving the church. And one of the reasons that I wanted to talk about holy encounters is because of this, okay? A person who has been convinced of God can be unconvinced. But a person who has had an encounter with God can't have an unencounter. A person who has met God can't unmeet him. It's one of the reasons that I have no fear at 41 of coming to a point in my life where uh, I lose my faith because there's nothing that anybody can say or do that can change what I've experienced. 
There's nothing that anybody can say or do that will change the fact that I encountered God at 12 or 13 at some random church in Maineville. There's nothing anybody that can say or do that will change the fact that I talk to God and hear from Him every day. I mean, skeptics can do a lot of things, okay? Cynics can do a lot of things, but what they can't do is they can't go back and extinguish the fire that was burning in the burning bush. They can't go back and put sunglasses on Paul to make to where he's not blinded by this holy light, and they can't erase our stories either. Now, let's keep it weird. If, if you have seen beauty and if you have tasted goodness, you can't unsee it and you can't untaste it. Which is why, as your pastor, because I love you all this morning and pray for you, my hope is that you would taste and see that the Lord is good. That you would get to a point in your life, even if you're not there already, where you could say along with David, the Lord is my shepherd, and because he's my shepherd, I don't need anything. And then David closes the psalm saying, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So here's to the mystics and to the weirdos and to the outsiders and to the ones who aren't afraid to be a good kind of different. Here's to the holy and to the faithful and to the spiritually strange. Here's to the wrestler and to the dreamer and to the ones who are still seeing, even when it seems like the rest of the world has closed their eyes. Here's to the ones who are still asking, still seeking, still knocking, still pursuing. Here's to the holy encounter. Those of us who have had them, and those of us who will. Grace and peace to you, my brothers and sisters. Let's pray. Father, we come to you now in the name of Jesus, and God, I pray for just such a movement. I know there's a person in this room, person watching online who, yeah, when they think about you, it's not good. It's not right. They're not seeing clearly. I pray, God, that at least one person would heed my words and they'd take them serious. I pray that they would pursue, and in their pursuit, I pray that you would make yourself available, and it would change something. I want something to shift. As the song we sang earlier, I want to see a breakthrough in somebody's life. I don't want it. I want you to do it, and I want to give thanks for it. God, today we celebrate you as a people who've had a holy encounter, a people who recognize that you're good, pure, kind, and loving. You are our good, great shepherd, and because of that, we lack nothing. Pray all these things in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen.